Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Have you ever been to a dinner party? Now that places have opened up again and people are more likely to go out and get together, maybe one of the first things on your to-do list was to share a meal with friends or family. Did you know that Jesus himself loved to get together with all sorts of people and share a meal? Today we're starting a new series called Dinner with Jesus. And Pastor Nicole is going to look at five different times that Jesus shared a meal with someone and changed their life forever. And in this series, she's going to challenge all of us to share a special conversation with someone throughout this series. So let's get started. Here's Pastor Nicole. Today, I'm starting a series that will take us through um, the whole, all of our outdoor services, and it's called Dinner with Jesus. So let me start with this. Did you know that Jesus loved to eat? Did you know that? Jesus loved to eat. How many of you would say, me and Jesus have something coming? I love to eat. There's clapping. There is a thread that actually runs through the Gospels of Jesus eating. In fact, if you think I'm making it up, in Matthew 11, 19, it says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. It actually says that. And I think that this shows Jesus was fully man and fully God. He was fully man and fully God. And he was relatable to you and to me. In fact, just to tickle our taste buds this morning, going to get you ready for lunch here in a few minutes. Uh, I intentionally did not start this series until after the 21-day fast (laughs) because, you know, I didn't want you to get all excited and hungry and then say you can't eat. But I want to know your preferences. We're going to take a little little poll this morning. So let's talk pizza, okay? Let's talk pizza. How many of you would say you are a deep dish pizza person? Deep dish pizza, that's all right, okay. I see my friends from Chicago over here, it makes sense, deep dish. All right, how about thin crust? Thin crust all the way, thin crust. Okay, how many of you would say I don't even do pizza? Anybody, anybody not? Okay, don't admit that. All right, let's do this one. Lots of cookouts this summer. So how many of you are hot dog people? Hot dog. How many of you are like Smith's or nothing? Like I, Smith is my ride or die. We, uh, my husband and I spent a couple years out in Missouri uh, in college and people would offer us a hot dog and we'd be like, is it a Smith's? And they'd be like, no. And we're like, you know, it's not hot dog snobs. Like we can't have anything else. All right. So if you pass up the hot dog, how many of you would say the burger is where it's at? I want the burger every day of the week. All right. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm coming from this section. Okay, uh, I know there are many Italians in our church. I've eaten at some of your homes before. Italians. So raise your hand if you are spaghetti. You are a spaghetti person. Spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. All right. How many of you would say, no way, lasagna? I'm doing lasagna. All right. One time I had veggie lasagna. Anyone ever had veggie lasagna? That's pretty good. All right. Now let's do this one. Shrimp or lobster? Shrimp, raise your hand if you're shrimp. Raise your hand if you're lobster. Raise your hand if you'd eat lobster if you could afford it, (laughs) if the shrimp wasn't as cheap. All right, good, shrimp or lobster. All right, here's the last one. Now this one I think says something about like the core of who you are, so vote carefully. Are you a pie person or a cake person? Pie or cake? Pie, raise your hand, pie. A la mode? All right, cake. Anybody like cake all day long? All right, pretty good, pretty good. Okay, well, hopefully that kind of got you excited about food. But Jesus loved to eat, 
Not because he was a foodie. He loved to eat because he loved people. And meals were important to Jesus. They were loaded with significance. If you sit at a table with someone and you eat with them, this is a statement of friendship. When Jesus ate with someone, he was saying, look, you belong with me. You belong with me. You don't eat with your enemy, right? You eat with your family. You eat with your friends. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to look at five different meals that Jesus ate. And we're going to see the important things that happened around these meals. And we're going to take the challenge to be like Jesus and do some of these things, okay? So during Jesus's three years of ministry, he broke all the cultural norms. He went places he wasn't supposed to go. He talked to people he wasn't supposed to talk to. He touched people he wasn't supposed to touch. He loved people he wasn't supposed to love. He forgave people he wasn't supposed to forgive. There was no limits. There were no boundaries to his love. And Jesus loved to eat with sinners. He loved to mess up the system. That's one of my favorite things about Jesus. How about you? He just came in. He said, look, you're doing it all wrong. Here's a new system. I love that about Jesus. He came to mess up the system. And he was and still is not uncomfortable with those who are different than him. He was a magnet for people who were broken. He was a magnet for people who were hurting. He was a magnet for people who were lost and desperate. And this is exactly what we see happening in the first dinner with Jesus that we're going to look at today. All right, so we're going to start in Luke 5, 27, and this is what it says. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Now, an important thing you need to know about this context is that the Romans were an occupying force, okay? They hated the Jews, and Levi was Jewish, okay? We know that because of his name. And he worked as part of the Roman government's equivalent to the IRS. So as a tax collector working for the Romans, Levi's job was to take money from his own people to line the pockets of the enemy. Tax collectors were among the most hated people in society. And it, just to give you a little glimpse of the taxes, if you think it's bad here, uh, the Romans taxed just about everything. Uh, there was a poll tax. You know what that was for? Breathing the air. <laughs> they just breathe the air. There was a ground tax. If you planted anything in the ground, like a crop or something to grow. Uh, if you were a fisherman, you paid a fish tax. If you were in the transportation industry, you paid a cart tax where they charged you for every wheel on the cart. I think that's where they invented the wheelbarrow, right? So like three instead of four. I made that up. I don't know. That's not historical. But there were road taxes. There were bridge taxes. There were import taxes. On top of that, just for being a citizen, you paid 10% of your income tax. Um, taxes could easily, literally be 50% of your income. And Levi was a traitor to his own Jewish people by being a tax collector. He was not a popular dude. <laughs> in fact, in the religious community, it was taught that tax collectors were not welcome and were far too gone to have a relationship with God. Even in the church, they said, look, you, <laughs> you must be really messed up <laughs> because to do this to your people, so you cannot come. But Jesus, this is where he messes everything up. He looks at Levi sitting at the tax collector's booth, and he says two life-changing words. He says, follow me. 
Now, do you think that Jesus was ignorant of what Levi was like? Do you think that Jesus just randomly, arbitrarily chose Levi? They were walking by a lot of people. No, Jesus knew his corruption. Jesus knew his reputation. Jesus knew his past. If, if you and I were in charge of picking people to be on Jesus' team, to sit around his table and to plan his ministry, we would not pick Levi, okay? He's too big of a risk. He could ruin the entire ministry. Yet Jesus didn't see Levi and give him a lecture. Jesus didn't say, come on, Levi, get your act together. Your parents are probably ashamed of you. Or Levi, you should just be, uh, you, should, you should just figure things out. Like this is not the right thing to do to your people. Jesus saw Levi and Jesus deeply loved him. He saw Levi as a child of God, first and foremost. Now, I love the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They often record the same story from a different angle. It's like we get a few different versions of an experience. I think uh, right now we're in the days of like Instagram where you can all be in the same place, but you all record a different angle. And then if you watch them all, you can see everything that's going on. That happened recently at the drive-in when I was there with friends. Uh, we could see all everyone saw from a different angle. Well, here's what happens with the gospels. When you put them all together, you get a fuller picture of what's happening. So I found some gold in the Gospels. Are you ready? You want to hear it today? So in Mark and Luke, in this story that's told, it's the same story, the tax collector's name is Levi. But in the book of Matthew, the same account is recorded, but the man's name is different. And so at first glance, you might think, well, that's strange. Did Matthew get it wrong? Like, did he write down the guy's name wrong? Or is this really the same story? What's happening? But here's when you dig a little deeper. When disciples were called to follow Jesus, he often changed their name. It was indicative of what was happening in their lives. Listen, by following Jesus, you're a new creation, right? You're a different person. The old is gone. The new has come. And so, for example, Jesus would say, uh, hey, Peter, now, or, your name was Simon. Now you're going to follow me. Your name's going to be Peter. Or if you remember the story of Saul, he had this encounter with Jesus, and then he was changed. He said, all right, your name's different. It's Paul. Well, theologians believe that Levi, the tax collector's name, was changed when he chose to follow Jesus. And his new name was, drum roll, please. You did it. Earlier in the service, they did it too. Matthew. Matthew means the gift of God. And so Jesus looked at Levi. Society looked at Levi and said, you are crooked, you are corrupt, you are hopelessly flawed. Don't even come to church. Don't come anywhere near me. But Jesus looked at Levi and saw Matthew, a gift from God. Jesus saw beyond the obvious. He saw to the heart. He saw to the potential. And this is what Jesus does for you and for me today. This is what Jesus keeps doing. He looks past our failures and our flaws and our mess-ups, and he calls us sons and daughters, and he renames us, and he repurposes us, and he does something new. Praise God that he does that. Praise God that he doesn't look at what we do on the outside, and he says, look, I see so much more in you, and so I'm going to equip you, and I'm going to help you, and would you come follow me? Because when you do, you're going to be all that I have for you. Is anybody thankful for that today? I'm so thankful God doesn't just look at me and say, I'm going to leave you there. So Matthew is writing his gospel. He's writing this. And I love, we're going to read it in just a minute. He doesn't even include his old name. He doesn't say formerly Levi or this used to be my name. Matthew's name was changed. He was different. 
Because I don't even, we don't even have to write that down. Because that's who I was. But now this is who I am. And I don't know, but maybe these verses were penned with some tears. As he remembered the moment that his Lord and Savior saw within him far more than he ever saw in himself. Let's read it in Matthew 9. 9 through 10, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Remember, he's writing this about himself. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So I love Matthew's recording his own journey. And he says, I left my booth behind and I didn't look back. I don't know about you, but uh, I imagine it maybe uh, Jesus says, follow me. And Matthew goes, okay. (laughs) Like, you want me? Somebody wants me? He doesn't say, oh, let me make sure I have my things in order or let me call my mom. (laughs) He says, okay, I'm going with you. He had an encounter with Jesus that changed him so much that none of that mattered anymore. This was brand new. He saw that the Lord Jesus Christ could take him places and saw in him more than he ever could himself. He traded his business, his money. He traded everything he had to go and follow Jesus. Now, there's a little bit of stitching we have to do in the rest of this passage because there's some gaps. But we see in the scripture, he makes another choice. Uh, We see next that Matthew next arranges a dinner at his house with Jesus. Now, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if Jesus arra- or Matthew arranged the dinner at his house because nobody else would have him at their house. <laughs> he thought, well, I can't, I mean, I'd like to go to dinner, but nobody really likes me, so why don't you come to my rich mansion? <laughs> at, least, at least I have a place for you to come. And Jesus accepts the invitation. This is the dinner I want to talk about today with Jesus. And can you imagine for just a minute, let's just put ourselves in that moment, what you would put on the menu if Jesus was coming to your house for dinner? What would you cook for Jesus, the God of the universe? Some of you are like, a Smith's hot dog. (laughs) That's what I would give to Jesus. Actually, tell the person next to you right now, if Jesus came to your house for dinner, what would you cook him? What would you serve him? Turn around if you're not sitting by someone. Chick-fil-A, <laughs> anointed chicken. So Matthew invites a few friends of his, some more tax collectors, some sinners, some people who are uninvited in the religious community. And you know why he does this? Matthew wants them to meet his new friend, Jesus. Matthew wants them to meet his new friend, Jesus. And I love how the pattern that we see here over this dinner with Jesus. Matthew did the exact thing that Jesus did. He invited sinners to the table. And Matthew decided, if Jesus could love someone like me, he can help my friends. If Jesus could love someone like me, then he can help my friends. And we see this approach, we see this model, this example that I just want to share with you today for us to model. And the first is make friends with Jesus. Okay, that's the most important step. Many of you have done that. That's why you're here today. You've invited Jesus to be Lord of your life. If you haven't, I want to stop you right here. That is the first and most important decision you'll ever make that you need to make. And you can make it today. All you have to do is confess your sins, say, God, I need you in my life, invite him to come and be the Lord of your life, be the savior of your heart, and live for him. You can figure, remember he said, you don't have to fix it all before you come. Just come right now. That's what he wants you to do. 
So I want to encourage you, if, you, if Jesus is not your friend, Jesus is not the Lord of your life, that's the first step. The second one is to make friends with people who don't know Jesus. Intentionally build relationships with people who don't know about the hope that you have in Jesus. Now, some of you might say, you know, that feels a little slimy, like I'm actually meeting someone so I can tell them about my faith. Listen, that's what Jesus did the whole time he was on earth. <laughs> he found the broken people and the hurting people and the desperate people. He found the hopeless people. And he said, look, let me be your friend because I want to show you the love of God. I have this father in heaven that wants to know you. And so when, you're, uh, when your motive is right, Jesus says, look, this is exactly what you do. Make friends with Jesus. Make friends with people who don't know Jesus. And then the third step is introduce your friends to Jesus. The natural response, thank you, yes, Lord. The natural response to the love of Jesus is to extend that same love to others. And, and I gotta tell you, this doesn't happen naturally. It takes effort. It's a decision you have to make as a follower of Jesus, maybe you're here this morning and you say, yeah, Pastor Nicole, this is pretty elementary. And I would say to you, yeah, I, I would agree. These steps kind of seem so simple. I love that the Lord gives us these. But statistics show, data shows that the longer you are a follower of Jesus, the less often you work these steps. The longer you're a follower of Jesus, the more inward you become, the less non-Christians you interact with. And so I want to ask you a question today. This one, you don't have to raise your hand or tell anybody your answer, but really evaluate for a minute. When is the last time that you introduced a friend of yours to your friend Jesus? To fulfill the mission that God has given us as followers of Jesus we have to share his love with our community, our friends, our neighbors, our family members to experience the love of Jesus. We have to invite them to the table with Jesus. This is what Jesus did on earth. If it was worthy of his time, it sure is worthy of ours. This is what he's asked us to do. Be friends with Jesus, make friends with people that don't know Jesus, and then introduce them to each other. I want you to watch just for a moment uh, this clip from The Chosen that gives a depiction of what maybe this moment of Matthew being called by Jesus looked like. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. 
Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. We pass by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? Grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. So good. So as you saw in the scripture, the, the disciples and the religious people are not sure what Jesus is doing. And in fact, in Matthew 9, let's go back to that passage, verse 11, it records it. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And in that time, and often still today, the statement from the religious is this, behave and act and believe like us. And when you do, if you live up to all the standards and you fit in, then you belong at our table. The Pharisees communicated to the people, prove yourself, follow all these rules, figure it out first, and when you have it all together, then you can be part of who we are. But Jesus does it totally different. I love, my favorite line in that clip was Jesus said, get used to different. Get used to different. He's here to mess it up. Jesus says, you have belonging first. You have acceptance first. You don't have to impress Jesus for him to accept you. Jesus leads with the words, you belong. You belong. So come, come close. Romans 5.8 reminds us this as well, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus invites sinners to dinner. Jesus leans towards sinners. He doesn't ask Levi to do anything before he accepted him. The one and only prerequisite for following Jesus is this. You have to be a sinner. Anybody qualify? <laughs> you have to be a sinner. That is the only prerequisite for following Jesus. And so today, if you are spiritually in need, if you aren't sure where to turn, Jesus wants you with all your faults, all your failures, all your doubts, all your weaknesses. And so let's keep reading in verse 12. Uh, I love this moment because the Pharisees are asking the disciples on the side as if Jesus can't read their minds. <laughs> and Jesus, maybe he overhears their comment or maybe he just knows because he knows everything, but he responds. And he says in verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so Jesus, the healer of all the broken things, who came to reach the spiritually sick, the spiritually distant, the spiritually empty, Jesus says, I'm not here for the healthy. I'm here for the sick. 
So when we study this dinner with Jesus, the takeaway is really, really challenging. Jesus loves those who are unlike him. He invites people into relationship with him without asking them to change. Jesus doesn't expect people to act like him and behave like him or believe like him before he invites them to the table. And I think this is a really important question to ask ourselves at, at, at every stage of our journey as a Christian. How are you doing loving people different than you? How are you doing? How are you doing loving people different than you? Who are you having dinner with? Who are you building relationship with in order to help them come closer to Jesus? Maybe a better question is this. Who isn't at your table? What people in your life have you not invited to church to worship with you? Who are the people that you've decided they're not likely candidates to follow Jesus, so I'm just not even going to go there? God gave me a very specific challenge for our church for Erie First Assembly in this summer, in this season. And, and I, I've been hoping, I've been praying, the staff has been praying and, and we've been talking about it. And we've been asking the Lord uh, specifically for this challenge. And my prayer is that each of you, each of you in this room would personally accept this challenge. It's easy sometimes if you're a, if you're a, a teenager maybe, or you're a young adult, you might say, well, my parents will do this. Or maybe if you uh, haven't been here in a while uh, or, or you're, you're newer to our church, you think, well, everybody else that goes to that, has been to that church for a long time will do it. Or we hear the challenge and we think, uh, well, that's not for me, but everyone, everyone else will do it. But, but listen, I want to really clarify, this challenge is so clear, it's so direct from the heart of Jesus. We can't make excuses one more day. We can't. We can't ignore it one more day. Over these next five weeks, as we work through this series called Dinner with Jesus, the challenge that the Lord gave me is for us as a church to have 400 conversations with people who don't know the love of God. To have 400 conversations with people who you can introduce your friend Jesus to. people who don't know him. These conversations can happen over a meal, over a cup of coffee, in a backyard, at the beach, at the grocery store, in the gym. In fact, this Saturday, Pastor Adam talked about you have the perfect opportunity to start at our neighborhood outreach event next Saturday, July 17th. We're going to go into a community not far from here, and they, they said we could come, so we said we're so excited. We're going to do a kids program and have free cookout, and we're going to help them paint or, or do some of the projects on their homes that maybe they haven't got a chance to just to bless that community. So maybe you sign up and you arrive ready to have a spiritually significant conversation as you eat your hamburger. I want you to know, if everyone in our church participates, we will blow this out of the water. I'll need to get another board, okay? But in that same breath, if only a few of you take the challenge, we will never meet this goal. I am very aware of that. It's gonna take each of you. Maybe when you were in school, you hated group projects. Well, here is one for you now. You'll like this one. We've got to do it together or we'll never make it. The conversation can be simple. Uh, the idea is that you share your faith, your hope, the peace you've experienced, the love of God that you know. 
just with someone in your life. And at the end of, of each of services for the next several weeks, we're gonna have time uh, to come down and, and mark one of these squares in a way to say that we did it. Now, I want to be very clear, these squares do not represent people. I would never reduce someone's life to a square on a board. What these squares represent is conversations. This represents our obedience. <laughs> that, yeah, God, we'll have the conversation. The results are up to you. The results are up to God. God, we plant the seed. God makes it grow. Okay, so just be very clear here. This is not uh, us saying, oh, we think that we can go out and do this. God's going to make this grow. But can you imagine with me just for a minute what 400 conversations about God's love happening in this city could happen, what it could do if we did it in the next month? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how many marriages could be saved? Can you imagine how many people that are depressed could have hope? Can you imagine how many hearts could be lifted from the despair that they're feeling right now or direction could be giving? Can you imagine the life change that could happen if we introduced 400 people to Jesus? I don't know about you. I don't know why you come to church on Sunday. I know it's not my joke, so... <laughs> tell you why I come. I come because Jesus, my friend Jesus, he turned my life around. Like I come because he turned my morning into dancing. I, I come because he gave me purpose and he gave me a reason to wake up in the morning. And I come because he redeemed me and he set me free and there's nothing that I did. He just looked down on me with love and he said, okay, Nicole, you can come because I want you. I want you before you even put your whole life together. I come because I can stand on the rock that will never move. I come because he, he, he's made seas into highways. That's why I come to church. And if these are the things that I really believe, if I really believe there's nothing better than him, than having a conversation with somebody, whether they're a stranger or someone in my life, and telling them about the hope that I have found in Jesus, should be something that I want to do out of the overflow of that understanding. So stand with me this morning. Would you stand? We're going to sing this song. We're going we're gonna to sing this song together. And I want you to look for an opportunity, a conversation to have this week. And then next week, I want you to come back. And you might say, I had the conversation and I was so awkward. And I'm going to say, good job having the conversation. And you might say, I had the conversation and nothing changed. And I'm going to say, good job having the conversation. Because listen, that's what we need to do. This is what Jesus says. Here's our obedience measure. Have the life-changing conversation. Leave the results to Jesus. But have the life-changing conversation because he turned my graves into gardens. I used to be destined for hell, but now I'm going to heaven because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So let's just sing this out today. And let's pray for 400 conversations that God would do something amazing. You turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn morning to dancing. Turn shame into glory. 
just proclaim in this place, there's nothing better than you. We thank you for the life change that we've experienced in you. And our goal as a church is to just respond to this call and share those life-changing conversations in the weeks ahead. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for coming this morning, for worshiping. We're so excited to fill these boards and see life change happen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast and share it with all your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.